Hello, Monetization Nation. Jim Stern is a digital marketing and analytics expert with 35 years of experience. He's the author of Social Media Metrics and a dozen other books on advertising, marketing, customer service, email marketing, and web analytics. He is the founder of the Marketing Analytics Summit, the co-founder of Digital Analytics Association, and the creator of the Analytics Cohort Mutual Mentorship Program. In today's episode, we'll discuss passion marketing and learn Jim's number one monetization strategy, value-based pricing. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us on the show today. My pleasure, Nathan. Thank you for inviting me. And you have a book there with you, too, that's your most recent book. I yeah, haven't read that latest. one yet. Artificial Intelligence for Marketing. You want to tell us a little bit about that one? Um, that is a book that's written for two different audiences. So if you are in marketing and you read this, and you give it to your data scientist, then the two of you can get together and have a real conversation about, is AI going to work? Is machine learning going to be worthwhile? And uh, in, instead of just saying, oh, we can use that because you not, can't necessarily just use it. So the book is an absolute introduction. Um, it, it assumes, you know, chapter two assumes you don't know machine learning. Chapter three assumes you don't know marketing. And the rest of the book is, okay, so how do we put it to work? Okay, so let's go into that for a few minutes. Um, can you tell us what would the average entrepreneur and CEO need to know about AI and machine learning and, and how might it be most relevant for them? What, what are their key takeaways? Key takeaways are it is a new kind of software programming. It is a different kind of tool than we're used to. So you can write code, uh, C++, JavaScript, whatever, HTML, you can create a spreadsheet. Now, spreadsheet is a kind of software. You create relationships between variables and you change values and you play what-if games, and it's cool. Then the next level up is statistical analysis, which requires a statistician to build a you know, regression model or, or you know, do the heavy lifting on creating a complex mathematical model to predict the future. And the next step is machine learning, which we have to computer how to look at the data to create its own model based on the data and change its mind as the data changes. That's the learning part. And the entrepreneur needs to know that as you are starting out, you don't have enough data. You just don't. But there is data that's out there that you might take advantage of. There are also some uh, machine learning startups that will say, hey, give us whatever marketing data you have. We'll run it through the models we've prepared in advance, and maybe we can give you some insights that you couldn't get to otherwise. So it is not the answer to all questions. It is yet another tool. It is a power tool. So you only use it, you know, if, if you are putting a roof on a house, and you know right where your high quality nails need to be driven, a pneumatic nail gun is a good idea. If you're hanging a picture on the wall, it's too much. Just a hammer will do fine. So for most entrepreneurs, Excel spreadsheet is awesome. 
But if you do have a lot of data and a very complex question, machine learning is something that we just, we haven't had before and it's very powerful. Can you give us an idea of how much something like that would cost? No. <laughs> it depends on the, the scope and the magnitude and- Totally depends. Can you give us a story of a company that, or an example of a company that has effectively used it? Sure. Um, one of the first stories I ever heard that me say, oh, really do need to know more and write a book about this one was um, Harley Davidson retailer in downtown Manhattan had been having a couple of bad years and they had a large database of prospects. They had uh, social media channels. They had email marketing capability. Um, and they went to a company called Albert, Albert Einstein, um, and Albert took their data in and said, okay, we're going to use uh, supervised learning, tell us who your best customers are, and we'll compare that to everybody else to say, well, these other people are more likely to be your better customers than anybody else, so you should target them. Then we're going to use um, unsupervised learning to find the patterns in behavior when people come to the website and which of those behavioral patterns look like your best customers. Then we're gonna use reinforcement learning to set up social media campaigns and email campaigns to send out a variety of subject lines and a variety of photographs to a variety of your prospects to see which ones get the best response. And in very short order, it came up with 10 micro segments saying these kinds of people you send this message in this picture, these kinds of people you send in this picture and this message, et cetera, et cetera. And sales went through the roof, website visits went through the roof, uh, uh, test drives went through the roof, sales went through the roof. Now you can't consistently triple your sales, but you at once and get on the right path to incremental improvement. But that's the kind of story where uh, huge, a huge jump based on an insight from machine learning. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, can we step back and can you tell us something that you are super passionate about? I am super passionate about methods of how an organization puts data to use for improving marketing, increasing sales, and just general growth. What was the biggest home run you hit? That's a funny one um, because a home run is a moment in time. It is an action. You hit the ball with the bat and it goes out of the park. Yep. My, my biggest home run is, is more a, a forced march. It's, it's looking back over decades and saying, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I wrote 12 books. Huh, cool. Biggest home run though, like if I had to pick a moment, I was selling a $100,000 piece of software to a government contractor. And I was in the guy's office on the day before Christmas Eve, and every and this was it. This was the last day they were working, and it was gonna be my make or break contract. 
and he got his boss on the phone. And I only heard his side of the, of the conversation, but he would repeat his boss's questions and I would write the answers on the whiteboard and he would tell his boss what the answers were. And I got the contract signed and I flew home and had a very good Christmas. That was like, that was hitting it out of the park. What is the biggest failure and mistake um, that you made and what'd you learn from it? Um, biggest failure, biggest mistake. Those are two different things. Um, biggest mistake is not taking advantage of opportunity. Um, you know, meeting people who said, hey, I've got this idea. And I responded with, well, yeah, that's kind of interesting, but, and then they went off and became wildly successful. And I could have participated in that. Oops. You mean like Mark Zuckerberg, I don't have time for that idea. That wasn't, wasn't Zuckerberg, but, but in that realm and with that and, and yeah, like that. So coulda, woulda, shoulda. Failure was, you know, I've, I've a, a, a really good living putting on conferences. That's, that has been my main revenue generation until this little thing called COVID. People just didn't want to go to Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas anymore. Who knew? Um, it was putting on a giant event in New York City. And it was the most successful event. It was the most revenue. It was the most sponsorship. It was the most attendees. It was the, the best speakers. And we lost our shirt because it was the most expensive place on the planet yeah. to put on an event. And yeah, we don't do that anymore. So even though you did a great job, your cost structure was way too high to make it profitable. Just, yeah. It just blew us right out of the water. And Plus the unions kill it. The unions make it so difficult, increase the cost so much. Yeah. And, and had we had, we had experience and talked to the right mentors, we would have been forewarned. We would have raised our prices uh, in order to compensate because, you know, union workers, yeah, it's tough, but guess what? I'm, I'm pro unions because yeah. I'm not against unions, but the reality is it just makes it a lot more expensive. Reality is it's a pain and it's expensive. Yeah. So yeah. lesson learned. That's right. All right. Um, what is your best monetization strategy or secret you could share? Value pricing. What does that mean to you? It means not talking about features and only talking about benefits. Um, I am... I am selling a ticket to an event. And by the time you're finished, you're going to spend five or $6,000 on travel and hotel and the ticket price and all of the ancillary stuff would go with being out of the office for a week back in the day when we were traveling and going places. Right. And, and to try to explain how this is all worth five or $6,000 is a waste of breath. Instead, it's explaining what you get out the other end, the things that have that you cannot put a price tag on. And if you are selling business consulting, you're talking about 
not just increase revenue, but increase profit share, increase in employee satisfaction, increase in customer satisfaction, increase in, in cultural perception of being able to work at such a company. All of these intangible things that will make a company grow like crazy. Talking about how if in two years the you can double your revenue, well, wouldn't that certainly be worth this minimal price I'm offering? Yeah. If you go to a, a conference, yeah, you can you can listen to all the presentations. That's great. You can watch them on YouTube. You can read a book. I've written a bunch of them. But you go to a conference to meet people and grow your professional network. That's the value. It's the ability to five years from now reach out and say, hey, we met at that conference and I have a question or I'm recruiting for a role or I'm looking for a role and making that reconnecting to somebody that you have met before, that's, that's a career maker. Um, I've been doing events long enough now that the people who have come to my events have gotten new jobs, become CEOs, uh, gotten married and have children because they met their spouse at my event. I mean, it's, it's, you stick around long enough and all kinds of wonderful. Can you share with us some, some strategies for, for putting on and effectively monetizing live events? Well, um, I'm in the conference production industry. So I put on my marketing analytics summit and after the third year realized I needed help. So I acquired a business partner who said, hey, this is great for you as a subject matter expert, but the infrastructure that we're gonna to build to support you can support other events as well. So we've got a dozen different events that we put on now. And so that's not, not useful advice for an entrepreneur. Instead, I would say that two reasons for an entrepreneur to care about events. One is being a sponsor and, and that means money. And it means whether it's online event or in-person event, doesn't matter. Being a sponsor and getting your logo in front of the right audience. So the kicker is which event attracts the people you want to talk to. My event is Marketing Analytics Summit. It is about the analyst, the digital analyst who's looking at Google Analytics and Adobe Analytics and social media and email marketing and measuring all that stuff. And if you have a product that those people will use, this is the place. But if you are selling, you know, if you're Adobe and you're selling Adobe Analytics, you need to be there. If you're Adobe and you're selling Photoshop, the audience doesn't care. So don't yeah. spend the time, don't spend the money. Um, do sponsor the ones where you know it's the right audience and, and meet many, you know, shake hands or meet people or, or email as many as you can. But the other one, and this one is the stronger recommendation, is put on your own webinar. So what is the biggest benefit you offer? What is your proposition? What do you do better than anybody else? What can you absolutely defend as you're the best in the world at delivering X to people who need Y? And put on an event, a webinar that says, this is what you need and we can help you. And only the people who need what you offer will show up. And you, you now have increased your prospect list 
and you have permission to talk to them and to email them and to follow up. And if you do that on a regular basis, maybe every couple of months, you will create a pipeline. Here is a link to a webinar that we did. It's an hour long that will tell you all about how we handle that. And that's, that will help a salesperson close an account. Um, and when you say webinar, are you meaning bringing in guest speakers or are you meaning just you focus and give a presentation, providing value for free on a topic and establishing your credibility? And guests, always, always, always bring a client because you're the vet. Wanna, I don't want to hear from you. I know you're going to say all the happy, clappy things that possibly can be said. <clears throat> what I want is for you to bring a client and for the client to say, we have this problem and we tried this and it didn't work. And we tried that and it didn't work. And then we brought in these guys and they're going to tell you what their product is, And then I'm going to come back and tell you how we made it work for us. It's a story, right? That's yep. what we want. I love how that establishes your credibility. Um, okay, so talking about credibility marketing, which I think is the biggest tectonic shift affecting businesses today. What do you feel is the biggest tectonic shift that's changing our, our business landscape? Well, clearly COVID, so not fair. Um, that's, that's a no-brainer. <clears throat> um, the shifts that I've seen over time, I have been following the technology shifts. So here is a computer. What can you do with it? Here is the internet. What can you do with it? Here's machine learning. What can you do with it? These are, these are big shifts in technology. But I think what COVID has done is um, forced us to up our game in being human. Corporations are now made up of people, not offices and, and hierarchy. It's, it's a bunch of people dressed like we are in spaces like are right now doing our work. And we're, and oh, I'm sorry, there's FedEx at the door or I have to let the dog out or I'm, I'm sorry that my two-year-old is now being my ankle. Um, we, are, we are now human beings. And I think the idea of shifting, focus on the customer. Yeah, that's my religion. I love it. That's a massive tectonic shift. And not just more personal, but more humanized, right? All right. Um, I see that you, you've recently become involved with a, a new company called 2Y3X. Can you tell us what that is and, and kind of what attracted you to that business? Um, it is a business consultancy that helps small businesses with growth. And um, I'm all about the numbers. I'm all about measuring how many emails went out and how many opens and how many click-throughs and how many people visited the landing page. And, and I'm all about optimization. But I, I get this feeling, this funny feeling when people talk about growth hacking like it's something that you can just, oh, here's one simple to get more people to sign up for your email. And it, yeah, it will, but are they the rule? Um, you can do all kinds of increased email opens by using subject lines that are sensational. And is that really the message you send? Is that 
really are those the people you want in your database. So growth hacking to me is a way of gaming the system in order to increase your numbers so you can do an early exit. And that's not building a business, that's hacking. Right. UI3X is a program by which we help you, your team, re-engineer the company. And we look at all of your processes. And it's not, you know, every entrepreneur says, if only I had a fill in the blank, a kick-ass salesperson, if only I had a class A marketing campaign, if only I had a viral social meme, if only I had uh, a, a perfect landing page with an outstanding, yes, you need all of those things and more. If you're gonna double your size, you need human resource person because you need a human resource process and a policy. And oh, by the way, you need a relationship with your bank. And oh, by the way, you're going to really improve your marketing um, uh, uh, unique sales proposition. You've got to get nailed down before you build your marketing program. And only then can you go out and hire city because the salespeople are going to come in and say like, well, what's our story? Where's the marketing materials? What am I supposed to tell people? So you have to do all of these things and you have to do them in a specific sense. You can't just hire salespeople right away. So 2Y3X is a program of, and the 2Y is for two years. This is, this is not a one and done. Yep. It's one full day per month with your growth team to work through what are your goals? Where do you want to end up? What do you need to get there? What has to happen in, in year two? So what has to happen in year one? What do we have to do this quarter? Who's going to be responsible for that? And in a given quarter, first month is research, second month is prototype, third month is rollout. Across all of your processes, we re company. I love it. So you are, you're trying to drive sustainable growth as opposed to, to maybe a, a quick flash in the pan kind of a growth hack. Am I stating that exactly. correctly? Exactly right. Thank you so much, Jim, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, the customer's needs must come first. Number two, we must connect with our customers and can do this through implementing passion marketing. Number three, value-based pricing determines prices based upon the value a customer receives from our product or service. Number four, machine learning and AI can help process relevant data to help us understand our customers. Number five, hosting a successful webinar and becoming a sponsor of industry events may be a good way to increase our success rates. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Jim or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or at his website, targeting.com. And there's a link to both of those sites on the blog post for this episode. You can also watch, listen, or read episode two for more stories and secrets Jim shared in his interview. Did you like today's episode? 
then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, get a free monetization assessment of your business and subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast and YouTube channel. And number three, follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Have you tried value-based pricing? And if so, how did it work for you? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. I wish you success in your entrepreneurial endeavors. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.